Hi, this is Mike Heischer, and you're listening to the Run to the Top podcast. Hi there, my running friend. This is Coach Claire Barthelic, the Planted Runner, and this is the Run to the Top podcast, one of the first and only running podcasts dedicated to making you a better runner with each and every episode. We are created and produced by the expert team of running coaches at runnersconnect.net, where you can find the best running information on the internet, as well as running coaching plans to fit every runner and every budget. One of the beautiful things about running is that you can just put on a pair of shoes and go. But wouldn't it be even better if the shoes that you chose made you just a little faster? Yes. Yes, it would. (laughs) If you're a running shoe junkie like I am, you already know that advances in shoe technology can help make running easier, which will likely make you faster. Nike, in particular, made huge headlines when they came out with the Vaporfly series in 2017. Featuring a new kind of foam and a flexible carbon plate, Nike promised that their expensive new shoes would improve a marathoner's running economy by 4%. With elites and recreational runners doing everything they can to improve by just 1%, these magic shoes were pretty tantalizing. But with all new technology comes controversy. Nike had already been supplying its best runners with Vaporflies as early as 2016, which was an Olympic year. Other athletes sponsored by other companies would be at a clear disadvantage if the 4% improvement numbers were really true and they complained to the governing bodies of the sport. Rules changed, and the copycats followed Nike's lead. Now in 2021, most of the major running shoe companies have some version of high-tech foam and carbon plate shoes, and all of them need to be available to the public before they can be used in competition. So what does all this mean for you? How much do high-tech running shoes matter in your running and racing? I wanted to find out, so I invited Michael Heischer on the Run to the Top to tell us what he found. Mike is a doctoral student and lab manager at the Athletic and Human Performance Research Center at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which just so happens to be my alma mater. Mike and his team wanted to better understand the potential performance-enhancing effects of technological advancements in marathon racing shoes. So they examined the finishing times of the top 50 male and the top 50 female runners from all of the world major marathon series in the past decade, both before and after the introduction of new Nike shoe models. Did the Nikes make a difference? And if so, what implications does that have on the rest of us who are not in the top 50? We're about to find out. Before we get into the conversation, if you're looking for the best way to get motivated, improve performance and recovery, and increase focus on your post-run strength workouts, you'll love the new Perform from The Amino Company. I'll tell you more about them later in the episode, or you can check out the research at aminoco.com slash RTTT. And now here's my conversation with Michael Heischer. Welcome to the Run to the Top, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. I uh, really appreciate uh, bringing me on. 
Of course. You recently did a study on the finishing time of marathon runners before and after the introduction of the new class of Nike shoes. So I want to get into the details about this. Can you tell us what you found? Yeah, so we um, looked at the finishing times of um, elite marathon runners in four of the world marathon major series races um, from 2010 to 2019. And then um, in addition to looking at those finishing times, we evaluated um, or looked at the shoes that those those runners were wearing. And then we were allowed or able to analyze um, how those shoes were impacting uh, performance overall. Um, so we looked at the top, again, the top 50 males and females for um, each of those races, um, which ended up giving us about 4,000 data points to look at. And in the end, we found that times were relatively stable from 2010 to 2018. And then as we started to see that uh, increased prevalence of runners that were wearing those new uh, neoteric Nike shoes, the modern Nikes that um, we had been looking at, um, we saw performance times improve in 2019. So in 2018, uh, from 2010 to 2018, again, times were relatively stable, about 141 minutes for males um, and about 164 minutes for females. And then in 2019, times improved to 137 minutes on average for males and 158 minutes for females. So again, that coincides pretty well with that increased number of, of neoteric Nike shoes that were being worn in those races. Okay, do the, do the math for us. So what kind of percentage improvement um, was that? Yeah, so in terms of percentage, that's about a 2% improvement for males and about a 2.6% uh, improvement for females overall. Um, interestingly, you know, because those weren't all of the same runners, we actually looked at a subset of runners that had switched during that time period from another model shoe to the Neoteric Nike. So we were kind of using runners as their own control um, and kind of a case control design. Um, and we found that runners who switched to those new Nike shoes um, were about 1.2 minutes faster for males um, and about 3.7 minutes faster for females. So it equates to about 0.8% for males and about 1.6 um, for females when they switch from a, a different shoe model to those to those Neoteric Nikes. So with, with elite runners, that's obviously a huge percentage. Um, so why didn't you find 4%? I mean, isn't that, that's what the shoes called. So they found 4% in the lab, but in the field, not so much. Yeah. So the magnitude of improvement that we saw, which was about 2% um, in the full cohort, cohort analyses actually does line up really well with the 2% uh, faster performance that we've seen in some analytic models um, that are based on the metabolic savings that you would have wearing those shoes. Um, so other researchers have kind of modeled that and looked at the the four percent improvement in running economy that you see with those shoes, and that four percent improvement in running economy results in about a two percent improvement in performance. Okay. Okay. So, you know, with all scientific data, you know, we want to boil it down and get one magic number that tells the story for everything. But obviously, that's not the way it works in the real world. Somebody, you know, some of the people that you study are going to be super high responders. Other people might not show a benefit or might, in fact, have gotten slower. So can you tell us about the extremes of the study? What was happening on the ends of the bell curve? Yeah. So, um, 
It's without looking at those races, it's difficult to say, you know, what, what was impacting those people, whether their performance times improved or didn't improve. I mean, there were some individuals that wore the Neoteric Nike shoes and their performance got worse. But there are so many, you know, different factors that that c- can go into, you know, determining overall marathon performance, you know, the physiology of the athletes, you know, pre-race and in-race nutrition, um, you know, the race course and the environmental conditions, you know, in, I think in 2012, uh, we had to leave the New York city race out because the, the weather was so bad. And then mm-hmm. we also, you know, there was one race in Boston as well. That was really wet, which impacted times by I think six minutes on average or something like that. Um, so yeah, the, I think the size of our data set helps speak to the overall effect, but there's a lot of variability in the individual, um, responses. I guess I would say, you know, if, if conditions are consistent, what you should see is about that, that 2% improvement in performance. Okay. So, you know, the, the Nike, uh, Vaporfly came out before, uh, 2018. So why, why would you say that there was such a shift between 2018 and 2019? I think just the increased availability. Um, one of the figures that you can see in, in our paper kind of shows the trend of the increase in the number of Neoteric Nikes that were worn in those, um, in those races. And in 2017, um, there were some athletes that did have those shoes, but I think, you know, it was maybe just more than 50 overall combined between males and females. Mm-hmm. And then in, in 2018 and then in 2019, we saw that those numbers really explode where there are over 100 males and females in each of those races that were wearing those new age uh, Nike shoes. Okay. Okay. So um, what is it specifically that you would say about the Nike shoes? And you're saying neoteric, that's just a fancy word for new, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so what, what is it about those shoes that, that makes them so good for runners? Yeah. So the, the design of the shoe is interesting. The construction of the the shoes is aimed at improving energy return in the midsole and increasing stiffness along the longitudinal axis of the shoe. Um, and this is accomplished through a really lightweight, resilient foam. Um, the foam that Nike uses is called PBAX. Um, and they also use some air cushioning as well. Um, and that helps with energy return within the shoe. There's been some lab studies that have been done on these neoteric Nikes that have shown that the energy return per step is actually twice what you get from traditional, you know, popular marathon shoes. Um, And so returning twice that amount of energy is a a really uh, significant benefit to runners that are looking to improve their endurance performance. Um, Interestingly, there's a lot of debate between scientists and bloggers on what actually is the mechanism behind that improved performance, whether it's, you know, that really lightweight resilient foam or whether it's that the design of that curved carbon fiber plate that you see within the midsole. Um, and there was actually a really interesting study recently that actually took the Vaporfly and compared an intact Vaporfly to a Vaporfly where they actually cut through the, the shoe, cut through the carbon fiber plate to see if that would kind of change, change uh, things. And they really did not find any significant differences in terms of improvements between the shoe that was cut and the shoe that was intact. And so what that really speaks to is that it's not just the foam. It's not just the carbon fiber plate. It's really the interaction between those two pieces and the overall geometry of the shoe that helps to facilitate those uh, improvements in running economy and then to performance as well. 
Okay. Okay. Because Nike does make shoes like, you know, the Pegasus that has the foam, but it doesn't have the plate. So mm-hmm. you would expect that shoe not to be as fast as, as the combination. Is that what you mean? Correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, I, it, it's hard to separate the, the foam from the, um, carbon plate because a lot of people think, okay, well, the foam is giving me a little more bounce. Like you said, it's giving me the energy return, but I've talked to, um, some biomechanics, uh, experts who have said that it really kind of depends on your cadence, whether the foam mm-hmm. is going to be as beneficial. It has something to do with how it squishes and how it bounces back. Do, can you talk about that at all? Yeah, so I have heard some of that as well, where um, I've heard you know, from people that own the shoes. Full disclosure, I do not have a pair because I can't <laughs> find one in my size. Um, <laughs> but people that I've talked to that wear the shoes do sometimes say that it doesn't seem like you get much of a benefit until you get, actually get up to speed. Um, and so that may actually speak a little bit to, you know, how different running speeds and even different running styles may impact that, that performance benefit. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of the direction of shoe design and, and footwear biomechanics in the next few years in the sense that I can see where we would eventually get to the point where you would bring, people into a motion capture lab and look at the the kinematics and kinetics of their running and the pressure patterns of their feet on the treadmill and everything else. And then they will actually have shoes designed and fitted specifically to their biomechanics to help to optimize those improvements in run account, running economy and performance. Oh, that would be cool. So they would match a foam that bounces the same as your foot strike. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in the foam, the, the, you know, the curvature of the plate, the overall geometry of the shoe. I mean, you know that very well that they design different shoes for, you know, different shapes of feet and, and running styles and stuff. And so I can see that being carried um, in more detail into these these performance racing shoes. Wow. Interesting. So so let's um, talk about the differences. So they, you know, Nike came out with the 4% and then they come out with the next. And, you know, that supposedly has uh, 15% more foam. It's a little grippier. It's a little lighter. Um, it has a reduced heel offset, all these little changes. Um, can Were you able to discern any performance differences between those two shoes? No. So the, the way that the study was performed was kind of interesting. You know, it was retrospective. Um, and so we had to go back and scour the Internet and social media pages to find photographs of what what these runners were wearing during their races. Um, and so I got pretty good at being able to identify, you know, Nikes, obviously, versus other brands of shoes. Um, but oftentimes because, you know, the photos were taken from a distance or because other runners were kind of in the way in some of the photographs, it was difficult to make determinations between different Nike models. Um, so yeah, we were not able to draw any conclusions on that, but uh, the overall principle in all of those shoes is generally the same improving energy return, um, and, and helping to improve running economy. Yeah, I I wonder though why reducing the heel offset. So basically lowering the heel, making making the foot a little bit flatter. I wonder why that would actually improve economy. You you would think um, you know, you would get more spring if you're up on your toes more. Do do you have anything to, you know, insight on that? 
I, I guess I'll, I would go back to, you know, maybe maybe that is beneficial for people with certain running styles and maybe, you know, the the higher heel is, is more beneficial for individuals with other running styles. I think, you know, where you foot strike may play into that. Um, I'm not I am not a footwear footwear biomechanics researcher, but I think, you know, just speaking to those individual differences, just finding, you know, if, if you're looking for the shoe that's best for you, you know, trying a few different pairs with those subtle differences um, and then finding which one feels best. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to run in something that feels good, right? Um, Absolutely. And so just just pick what feels best for you. And and you should see, you know, whether you pick the 4% or the next percent or, you know, even other companies now are exploring similar design aspects. Um, I think that, you know, everyone should be able to find something that that improves their performance um, because, yeah, the market's just going to explode with these these type of racing shoes in the next few years. I know how critical post-run strength work is to help keep me strong and injury-free. It's not a coincidence that injuries are more common with runners that skip their post-run strength work. But I get it. We're usually tired after our runs, especially on workout days, and many of us don't quite have the energy and motivation to get the strength work in. I've been on the lookout for quite some time for something that could help with both energy and focus post-run, and also provide a nutrient boost so I can maximize both my recovery and performance when strength training. That's why I am so happy I recently discovered Perform from the Amino Company. Perform is an amino acid-based formulation that I simply add to my water post-run. It tastes great and it's easy on my stomach. But more importantly, it immediately gives me energy and focus to jump into my strength training Even better, Perform helps improve strength performance, reduce fatigue, and increases muscle protein synthesis, so you recover faster from both the run and your strength training. I feel great when taking Perform, but I appreciate even more that it's all backed by actual science. In fact, the research on amino acids and performance enhancements is well-documented with hundreds of studies demonstrating their effectiveness. You can even use Perform during your long runs and workouts to increase focus and performance during the run itself. If you're interested in giving Perform a try, we've got a special offer for you where you can save 30% and get a free gift by using code RC30. Just head to aminoco.com slash RTTT. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash RTTT. And use the code RC30 at checkout to save 30% and get a free gift. Yeah, yeah, I do want to talk about other companies because, you know, Nike is getting all the attention as they like to do, (laughs) but they are not the only game in town. Many of the other big companies have a a similar product on the market. Not everybody in Tokyo uh, won a medal with Nikes on their feet. So Molly Seidel, for example, the bronze medalist in the marathon, she was wearing Pumas. So Mm -hmm. how do we explain that? Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I think four of the six marathon podium um, places were taken by people in Nike. So that's a great point. Um, they're not just, you know, all all Nike runners. Um, and I'm not aware of what specific shoes Molly was wearing, but it's 
I know for a fact that Puma is one of those companies that is exploring those uh, different design aspects. And, and that's what the athletes, you know, are probably calling for. And that's what they want, right? Like if you're a runner and you're not a Nike athlete and you see these Nike athletes that are having these shoes that are improving performance, I mean, it's, it was only a matter of time, I think, before we saw those other companies break into that space as well. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of um, ethical considerations, you know, um, Iliad Kipchoge, the world record holder, he is a Nike athlete and he has spoken many times on this subject saying, yes, the shoes are a major improvement, but it's the person in the shoes that really makes the difference that you still have to run 26.2 miles. Um, the shoe's not going to run for you. So I would love to get your thoughts on, on the ethical uh, considerations here. You know, people call it mechanical doping. What do you mm -hmm. say about that? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a really interesting point. Uh, one of the co-authors on our paper, Andy Jones, actually spoke at Marquette last year virtually um, about the physiology of, of the breaking two marathon. Um, and I, I totally agree that I think a lot of times the focus and emphasis on the shoes and the, the sports technology and other sports um, is given too much credit and it, it's, we shouldn't take away from the individual performances. I mean, athletes like, like him and like Molly, you know, they train so hard for so long to put out their best performance on the biggest stage and I think to, you know, to just say that, um, you know, it's the shoes, the, the shoes are the reason why they're performing as well as they are. That really takes away from all the hard work that they put in. Um, and, you know, it's shoes are not the only thing, you know, like I said earlier, it's the physiology of the athlete, it's the environmental conditions, it's the nutrition. Um, it's not just the, you know, the apparel or the shoes that the athletes are wearing that are, that are facilitating those, those, you know, PRs or personal bests or, or wins. Absolutely. I mean, to, if you want to break it down, any shoe is is a mechanical advantage, it, you know, whether it's a flip flop or, mm -hmm. or or the state of the art Nike, every single shoe is going to give you some advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily see these advancements as an unfair advantage. I mean, I think advancements in sports technology should help us to push the boundaries to new peaks of human performance. I think that that's really something that, that should be celebrated. Um, and so, you know, I think the, the burden is really on the sporting bodies to make sure that they're serving their athletes by staying on top of the new technology and the research surrounding that new technology so that they can really make informed decisions based on the objective data you know, if there isn't any data to speak to, it's all just, you know, speculation and subjective, subjective opinions. And I don't think a lot can, can be accomplished with that. I mean, athletes, I think, and coaches are in general, really adaptable to new rules and regulations if they're implemented with enough advance notice, mm -hmm. you know, and they can make modifications to their training or whatever else they need to do. So I think, um, yeah, I think that, I, I am fine with the advancements. Again, I think that the, the onus is on the sporting bodies to make sure that they're in tune to what is actually coming out, um, you know, on a constant basis. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think, obviously, that new technology has to be equally available to all athletes. And that is mm -hmm. something that they're trying to do is say, look, you can't just wear some prototype. You have to have a shoe that anyone can purchase, you know, which is an important part to make it fair, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one aspect of the newer shoes is that 
um, for runners on a budget, they may be may be cost prohibitive. Um, but again, as the market expands, as more shoes come out, you know, as these materials potentially become, you know, less costly, uh, I think that you know we'll see a lot of these performance enhancing shoes make their way into kind of the lower tiers of amateur competition um, mm-hmm. as well. I I would love to get your opinion on what the placebo effect has with all of this. I don't know if you can study that or if there's any way to do that. But if somebody says, hey, wear these magic shoes and you're going to run 5% better. If you believe that with all your heart, you probably are going to run 5% better. Or, you know, I mean, the placebo effect is very real phenomenon. What, what would you say to that? Everyone loves putting on a new pair of shoes, right? Like there's just something yes. about it. The new shoe smell, you know, you're ready to, to get out and run or, you know, in my case, play basketball or whatever else it is. Um, but yeah, that would be really interesting. I was, I was thinking about that and I think it would be really difficult to design a study um, that would facilitate good blinded research. Because I mm-hmm. think that if you brought in experienced runners, they would have a pretty good idea of whether they got the performance enhancing shoe or whether they got the placebo. Um, and so I think that that would be difficult to study. Um, it would be interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think the literature is clear that the improvement in running economy when wearing these shoes is a, you know, a real thing. And so I think any psychological boost or placebo effect that you get from putting on the shoes would be minimal in comparison to that mechanical improvement that you're seeing um, Mm -hmm. for these athletes. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the other advantages of um, these shoes, and I can attest to it myself, I've, I've run a marathon in the 4% and, and, you know, it was great. My best, my best marathon ever. And one of the advantages besides how I felt during the race was how good I felt after the race. One of, one of the big things that they haven't really talked about, you know, in their marketing, but they're starting to is how, how much easier recovery seems to be. Have you heard about this? Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, if you're returning more energy and you have improved running economy, I mean, by definition, you need to use less energy to kind of run, run that marathon distance. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that makes, that makes sense for sure. Mm -hmm. So, so where do we go from here? Are you gonna, are you gonna study the new spikes next? (laughs) Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think spikes are a little bit different because I think, you know, those shorter distance races are not, um, those shoes are probably aren't as marketable to the general public. Like mm-hmm. I think when these marathon shoes were initially developed, you know, the plan was probably always to bring them to market for the public, but I'm not sure if there really is that, um, for the spikes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to kind of similar to paying attention to kind of the trend in marathon performance, looking at the trend in those shorter distance races. I mean, we already saw in Tokyo that a lot of the athletes that were wearing those super spikes, um, were able to kind of, you know, beat their own records or, you know, make Mm -hmm. it to the podium. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to pay attention to that research coming out over the next few years as well. Yeah. Well, that's going to be another hard one to discern because they also talked about how fast the track was in Tokyo too. So how do you know if it's the shoes of the track? Yeah, you, you don't, I mean, all, like I said earlier, all those factors can play into overall race performance. 
Um, you know, Andy Jones will talk about that, you know, in relation to the marathon. We had uh, Roger Crom, who's another really prominent biomechanist, come to talk at, at Marquette last year. And he spoke to, you know, how even the curvature in terms of the marathon, like the curvature of the track and that can, you know, play a role in, in overall performance and everything else as well. So, um, yeah, all of these factors can be studied. All of them can impact overall performance. Uh, so a lot more research to be done in these areas for sure. Yeah. Is, is that what you're going to be working on next? Um, no. So my, my f- focus is on sports biomechanics, um, but I'm not a running researcher per se. Um, this project was the brainchild of um, my boss at the Athletic and Human Performance Research Center, Dr. Sandra Hunter, um, as well as Mike Joyner at the Mayo Clinic and Andy Jones, who they've you know published a lot of research on the physiology of elite marathon performance. And we had kind of been paying attention to these shoes coming out. And um, they said, you know, we can, we can study this. We can study the effect of these super shoes on performance. And, um, and so that's how this project came together. Great. Great. Well, normally I ask a few questions at the end um, about, you know, what it's like, uh, what what your personal running is like, but you're not exactly a runner. So maybe we'll tweak these questions a little bit. So um, if you could go back and talk to yourself when you first started in sports, (laughs) what advice Mm -hmm. would you give yourself? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. I think training advice. Like I think back to the way that sport practices and training was designed by my coaches, uh, you know, growing up and great people, great, great coaches. But I, you know, knowing what I know now about human physiology and human performance, I think that we weren't always training in a way that where we were getting the most bang for our buck. And so, um, you know, making uh, giving myself some advice to help facilitate some modifications to those, you know, those practice designs may help may have helped us in competition. Yeah. Um, like resting or recovery or what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, just a lot of um, a lot of running, a lot of drills that maybe weren't designed um, as well as they could be, you know, based on the physiological mechanisms within the different sports. Um, so, yeah, just things like that. Okay. So what has, what is the greatest gift that athletics has given you? Oh, another good question. Um, so I guess I can speak a little bit to running on this one because, mm-hmm. um, I think it, it's just given me a really good appreciation for the range of abilities of human performance. Like even when I push my limits, my pace is so far off of what the world elites are that it really kind of gives me a unique perspective and helps remind me that, you know, performers are always trying to do their best. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm generally in favor of advancements in sport technology. If, if putting on a new pair of shoes allows, you know, somebody like me or you or one of the elites to run a personal best or beat a record. Why, why isn't that something that should be celebrated? I mean, if, if, if they're achieving something that's their best, I mean, that, that should be something that we should be happy about and and supportive of because that makes them feel good. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, just a general appreciation of the wide range of, of abilities of human performance. I love it. And finally, Mike, where can listeners connect with you? Yeah. So, um, feel free to email me. You can find my email, um, on the Marquette website, or you can reach out to me on Twitter at MU Mike two, four. 
Perfect. Well, I uh, said this in the introduction, but Marquette University in Milwaukee is my alma mater. I went there a million years ago, and I used to live in McCormick Hall, which was shaped like a beer can, which is now nothing. Or what is it now? It's been raised, hasn't it? Yeah, it was raised and they're uh, making space for a new business building. A business building. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Mike, for being on the show. I really appreciate uh, talking to you and uh, learning a little bit more about your research. Yeah, thanks again for having me on. Great to speak with you and uh, to get to know you as a Marquette alum. It's been a long time since I was at Marquette and it was fun to chat with Mike and talk about the changes there since I was in school. I did run a marathon in Milwaukee a few years ago, and yes, I was wearing Nike 4%. My personal experience is that they do help when you're running at a certain speed, and they do seem to take the impact levels down just a notch. But for slower running, they're honestly not my favorite shoes, and that's a good thing due to their price. I do think they can help in the marathon, and the science seems to back this up. But as good as these shoes are for many people, they are not perfect for everyone. Not all my athletes love them for different reasons, and it's great that there are other options out there from other companies. And to be perfectly honest, not everyone wants to support Nike for some of the questionable things they've done in the past. So you can choose other options and still perform just as well. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the podcast I did last year with Matt Hart, the investigative journalist that wrote an expose on the company to learn more. Overall, my opinion is similar to Mike's. I feel that as long as the technology is equally available to everyone, that advances in tech are great for the sport of running. I mean, unless the shoes get wheels and electric power, you still actually have to run down the road. So short of that, making shoes better is only good for the sport. But what do you think? Let me know by sending me an email at claire at runnersconnect.net. I'd love to hear from you and maybe even feature your response on a future episode. Thanks for listening to the Run to the Top podcast with me, Claire Bartholik, the Planted Runner. Our mission is to help you become a better runner with every episode. Connect with me on Instagram at the Planted Runner and at Runners Connect. Join the Runners Connect team at runnersconnect.net and support our show for free with a review on Apple Podcasts. If you love the show and want to get more free content in your inbox, become one of my favorite listeners and get the elite treatment at runnersconnect.net slash podcast. Have a great run today.